passed away. We wanted men. We are talking to Matt Gunning. He is uh, a resident Lego expert. Uh, and Legos is something that we've kind of been, I've been d- dipping my toe into recently uh, just because it's its getting cooler and cooler and it's harder and harder to to stick, you know, stay away from them because the, the sets are just getting insane. And uh, Matthew reached out to us a few weeks ago and was like, hey, you ever want to talk Legos? Let's, let's do it. So Matthew, good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, may the force be with you. It's a great uh, day before 4th of July. That's a day where we're talking to each other. And I'll, what, whatever day you're listening to, it's, it's always a great Star Wars day. So exactly. Every day, Star Wars day. Yep. That's right. <laughs> um, how'd you get going with Legos? I mean, let, let's start with that. Because you, I've been to your house and your Lego room's insane. So as a kid, there were two toys I played with probably every day. And those were my Star Wars action figures and Lego, uh, Lego pieces. Now, uh, as, uh, with, as one of my friends jokes, as, as a kid who grew up in the seventies, you know, I loved Star Wars because I went and saw it in the movie theater. So I was six and a half, went and saw, uh, episode, episode four in the movie theater, came back and tried to replay the entire movie in my brain. And I was absolutely Star Wars crazy. And uh, I wanted to play in that universe, right? So we had the original 12 action figures and I played with those to death. I still have mine. They're, they're battle scarred, uh, missing heads and capes, but uh, I still have those original figs as a kid. And then I also got uh, Lego as a kid. So 1979, 1980, Lego rolled out their, what's, what we now call their classic space line. And they did not have a license, so they were other spaceships. Uh, there was the, 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 the classic one in 1980. The big one you wanted if you were a, a space nerd kid was the Galaxy Explorer. And so I was lucky enough, I got the Galaxy Explorer and about four other space themes from Lego. And I would uh, tear those apart, build spaceships, build sometimes Star Wars, you know, Star Wars shaped spaceships, sometimes spaceships of my own, and then uh, tear those those apart and rebuild with the instructions. But as a kid, I wish that I could walk into a store and buy a Star Wars themed Lego set. And so, you know, that didn't exist yet, but it was in the back of my head as, as it was probably in the head of lots of other uh, boys and, and some girls probably that were playing with space Lego in the late seventies, early eighties. So I would say, you know, both of those loves uh, happened about the same time. So like, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, that age range. Awesome. Um, crap. I lost my train of thought. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah was pretty... I, did, I do remember those spaceships, man. The, the, Cause that was too. my first forte in the Legos. Uh, you know, as a kid, you had all those spaceships and uh, yeah, now my Lego passion is, is strictly uh, star Wars. Cause you know, there's just so much. Uh, out right. There. So, 
So let's talk about how Lego got into that. So yeah. Lego was a, originally a company that only made its own themes. And so the, the original four kind of classic themes were space, castle. Uh, so you had knights, you know, and, and later dragons and things like that. Pirates and, uh, and then like Western stuff. So they were like cowboys and Indian sets. And so those were the classic original themes. And Lego made those themes for a while. The space theme kept evolving into different names and different color schemes. So there was Blacktron and, and uh, then later Space Police and, and so on and so forth. And then they stopped making some of the other stuff and they came out with new themes and new lines. And Lego is a company, um, you know, if you, don't, if you don't know, it's based in Denmark. It's a European company and it's, uh, it's a high-end product, as with uh, many European companies they uh, make a high-grade plastic. It has high clutch power. It lasts for a very long time, um, but it's also not cheap. So sometimes uh, people will say to me, like, oh, Lego's so expensive. And I, I looked up that Galaxy Explorer set that I was given in uh, 79 or 80, and it was $25, uh, which was a lot of money in 79 mm -hmm. 80. So I actually once put it into a, uh, an inflation calculator, and today that set would have been a $100 set. Wow. So, I mean... You know, big sets today often run $100. And, and in $1979, that big set that I got was a was an expensive set. I mean, it would have cost, I mean, I, I don't remember. I think action figures were like a buck or two in 1979. So I could have gotten, you know, for $25, I could have gotten 13 uh, action fig, carded action figures for a, about the same amount of money. That's a lot of action figures. You know, that was the first 12 was as many as we got you know, in, in 19. 1977, the first 12 that came out, I could have gotten the entire line for that one Lego set. So Lego was a company, uh, had a lot of success. It's a family owned company. It still is to this day. It's in the third generation and about to hand off to the fourth generation. But Legos really was run by uh, people who wanted to make fun toys. And so if they thought something was cool, they made it. And that got them into trouble, uh, got them into trouble in the late 1990s. And they rolled out products that just didn't sell very well. And they also got into amusement parks and making t-shirts and making all kinds of non-brick type things. And they started losing money. And they started losing a lot of money to the point where the company was seriously at risk of bankruptcy. And in the late 90s, they dramatically scaled back the number of parts that they made. So they made mostly, you know, basic bricks, square, very square looking parts. And they began to experiment with uh, licensed properties. And so Star Wars was one of the very first licensed property. In 1999, uh, Lego and Star Wars came to an agreement that Lego would make uh, you know, Star Wars themed sets. And so they rolled these out. And so the original sets, the first generation of Lego sets are, in my opinion, as, as a collector, ugly as sin. Uh, <laughs> they're very square and boxy. I had a, I had a star Wars collector who decided to get out of the Lego end of it. He's like, you want to buy any of these? And I was like, no, they're, they're hideous. You know, like to my standards today, the, the sets that Lego is rolling out are getting progressively, you know, like the tie fighter is more rounded. It doesn't look as blocky and it's very elegant. I think, you know, some of the, 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 the large sets that Lego rolls out today are just gorgeous. And uh, they were not pretty, but they were popular. And so people were excited. Uh, people who, who were like the 10-year-old me who wanted to buy a Lego X-Wing could buy a Lego X-Wing or a Lego TIE Fighter. And they could get uh, a minifig Luke, Leia, 
R2-D2, you know, all of our classic heroes from the films. And so it sold well and it still sells well. I, I, I worked as a store employee for uh, across three years and it's just a perennial seller. And today I have a side business where I re resell sets and the Lego sets always appreciate in value. Some appreciate faster than others, but unlike some themes, which are pretty flat, uh, Star Wars will inevitably go up because there's somebody out there who wants to have that, you know, Z95 headhunter spaceship or the quad jumper that gets all of five seconds in the movie, but looks really cool as a Lego set uh, and someone will buy it eventually. So it's a moneymaker and Lego Corporation has renewed the Star Wars license several times now and, and they just renewed it once again. So we will, you know, continue to get uh, that as a, an important sub theme and today you know for for listeners that might not be aware lego also has lots of other licensed properties they have harry potter which is a big thing right now if you walk into a store there's a lot of harry potter stuff they've done scooby-doo which i absolutely adored and i bought all five of the scooby-doo sets because i thought they were really fun and again brought back sort of fun childhood memories of saturday morning cartoons um They've done Ghostbusters. There's actually a lot of like 80, 90 nostalgia sets out there. So there's a, a Friends TV show, uh, Ghostbusters. They did a DeLorean from Back to the Future. So if you are of sort of uh, my age cohort and you grew up, you know, watching films and stuff in the 80s and 90s and you like this kind of stuff, Lego is catering to you right now. Yeah. Uh, if you walk into a store, you can find some of this stuff. So that's sort of the you know, how Lego connected with the Star Wars universe. Um, do you have any questions? I, I, I got more. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had, yeah. And also like what Marvel and, and DC stuff is pretty big right now on the store shelves too. Absolutely. But, but you were kind of talking about early in the Star Wars line, all the ships and vehicles were pretty blocky. And over time, they've introduced new pieces and parts to try to, I guess, enhance the, the look and feel of some of these these sets and and i know some people i think there's like purists purists in the hobby who feel like that's cheating you should make them out of the, the bricks that they originally had and you know what are your thoughts about introducing new blocks and pieces i mean i was looking at my son who who does lego he had the thor ragnarok one of the ships is kind of circular and i was looking at that and i'm like there's, there's no way you'd use that on any other set except for this one thor ragnarok circular looking looks like a disc almost right what are your thoughts so, there are a lot more uh so i look at it two ways one as an adult builder who creates its own stuff i love it uh we are currently in the golden age of lego parts so if you want a part in a particular shape and a particular color it, we have never had as many different parts and as many different colors available to us as we do today and as an adult collector, uh, if this was a video, I would I, I would show you the parts collection I have upstairs, which is probably between a quarter and half a million pieces at wow. this point. I mean, it's a lot of pieces. So I can build almost anything that my brain can come up with. So as a builder, I love it. Uh, um, I, I hear this from parents. Uh, you know, I buy this set and I can only they can only build, you know, an at at Walker out of it. Like there just aren't enough pieces. Um, and that's a valid point. Uh, not every kid's going to have, you know, 10,000 10, piece collection that they can just pull from and build stuff. Lego still makes the, what, what they call the classic sets, which are boxes of bricks and fairly basic shapes, squares, window frames, door frames, wheels. So you can make vehicles. 
And so they still make that stuff. But most kids don't walk into, you know, Walmart or, or a Lego store and say, you know what I want is some generic brick. <laughs> most kids walk into a store and they want, you know, the licensed theme. And that does limit some of the potential reuse of the bricks. And that, I, I think it's it's a valid thing. If I were a parent, um, I would have a similar, similar concern. And even among the adult builders, there is a criticism of what people term single use bricks. Uh, and that is, there are parts out there that, as you mentioned, it's very hard to imagine using them in, a, in any other way other than the way that they were originally meant to appear in the model. And so in, in the adult builder community, it's kind of like, you know, roll your eyes. What are you going to do with that part? You know, and there is kind of an informal contest that happens with, with what are deemed single use parts is to figure out a way to use a part in a, in, a, in a build that's very clever that no one would ever think about using it that way. So in some ways, the, the Lego building community has fun with that at times. And, you know, uh, there was a recent Lego set where they put a row of wrenches and, and clipped them onto a bar and it actually became an awning to a, to a house. Uh, and it was extremely clever. And everyone's like, who would have thought of wrenches? You know, it's a minifig accessory. It's something that you would only think of using uh, at, at a scene, but instead they actually turned it into an architectural detail on a building. So there is this kind of running, uh, running contest, you know, just in, in conventions, people who are builders will walk around and say NPU, which stands for nice part usage. And that's a high compliment among Lego builders. So they're like, oh, I see what you did. You snuck in a tire here in a non-vehicle setting or something like that. And so it is kind of a, it provides some uh, intellectual challenges, but it's not ideal for a 10-year-old that, you know, buys a Marvel set and the pieces can't build, are limited in what they build. I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, and I think you're kind of hitting on one of the reasons that Lego appeals as a toy compared to an action figure is that there's you're, you're not limited with what you're given with an action figure with the creativity and imagination you can do anything with lego and i'm sure that's part of the reason why it appeals to so many people and the other thing about you know, you know uh, if you buy an action figure um you can you've got a weapon oftentimes with the action figure or you might have a vehicle uh, as a kid i only had like two vehicles i had the land speeder and i forget what the other one was but i was always jealous of all the other kids who had vehicles right because they could put their you know their tie pilot in their vehicle or their luke in an x-wing and i didn't have that stuff so i just had to make you know use my imagination so my my action figures were engaged in you know battles or missions or whatever the case may be and i joked that my my most uh the most the most surprising action figure in my my childhood plays was lobot because I could invent things because Lobot had this very mysterious, you know, mechanical thing wrapped around his head. And so as a, as a kid, I decided that he could he, he could telepathically communicate with droids. And so he was always like, you know, the team quarterback on the mission because he could relate things to droids uh, that humans were saying. And, you know, so I did add some play features, as they say today. Uh, to my action figures but you're right i mean lego just inherently has that i mean you don't have to be super imaginative you can just start taking things apart and stacking them in a different way and uh decide that you want to put an extra you know shooter here or or whatever and it's it's intended to be flexible 
It is interesting though, when I worked at the store and I dealt with parents is, you know, parents generally would come in and say one of two things. They would say, my child builds the set once as intended and then tears it apart and just does stuff. And then other parents would come in and say, my child only builds the instructions and then sets it on a shelf and never touches mm -hmm. it again. So, you know, I, the, what I, what I gathered from that is that, you know, there's two broad categories of kids. There are kids who want to be creative builders and there are kids who want to build models and maybe they play with the ship as assembled, but they're not somebody who wants to mix and match and, and do that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, definitely. I know my, cause when you talk about that, my, I, built a lego set with my grandson about a year ago and he did that we we built it as per you know instructions and then like an hour later he's tearing it apart and putting it back together he's five and it's he's played with it all afternoon you know put it you do it when his it just blows my mind that a five-year-old could think like that uh but i also i want to jump back to the delorean uh you know you did say the delorean uh, I, um crap i did buy one when we were at joe fest last weekend and somebody looked at it and he's like, yeah, you know, to me, I'm like, it looks like crap. And then somebody pointed out to me, oh, yeah, they used all original pieces. They didn't custom build any pieces to make the set. And then it clicked. I was like, oh, you know, and they well, when you look at it and take it apart, it is kind of cool uh, how they engineered stuff to make angles. And, you know, they put a, a hinge on it to make an angle instead of building a piece. And um, another thing I, that I do like about Legos is it was missing the front bumper. So I did some research online and was able to find that, you know, you go to lego.com and you're able to buy bricks. So I found the instructions and they, you know, show you what bricks and I was able to piece together and it was only like five bucks to get the bumper. So that, that, you know, I was like, cool that they didn't use, you know, custom parts because I was able to get, you know, build the bumper back up. And uh, how does Lego, I mean, I know that they're totally different worlds, but you were mentioning Scooby-Doo and the Back to the Future and, you know, all Ghostbusters. It seems to me Playmobil has beaten Lego to get all those, because now they got the Back to the Future license. They got Scooby-Doo. I think they, do they have Ghostbusters right now? They, yeah, you're shaking your head. Yes, people can't see it, but yeah. Um, so that now they've, it seems like they're competing more, at least to get the license with Lego. Do you know anything about that? I honestly, I don't follow Playmobil very closely. I, um, Playmobil, like Lego, is a European company. It's also known for building a high quality product that's durable and lasts. And, you know, you can pass it on to, you know, one kid can, another kid can inherit it and so on and so forth. I, I don't think Lego feels particularly threatened by that. I, I think Lego's like, okay, fine. We make a buildable toy that's really probably targeted for a slightly older age bracket. And the Playmobil audience, obviously they're adult collectors, but I think the target audience probably skews a little bit younger uh, than, than many of, of the Lego sets. But I mean, I think that's great. And I think, you know, the, that we're seeing creativity. If you, I mean, if you think about platforms, you know, Funko Pops are, are an incredible array of licensed properties. I mean, there's all kinds of different things you can get in that format. And so... So, you know, one of the things that we're living through today is kind of, a, again, a golden age of geekdom. And yeah. if you if you were the nerd kid in the 80s and, you know, now I'm in, you know, you're in your 40s or 50s, you can get all kinds of crazy things that you couldn't get as a kid that you wished you did. I'm going to I'm going to hold something up and they won't be able to hear it, uh, see it. But 
you know, again, Diamonds of the Coast is coming out with the Black Hole, and I got wow. the Maximilian from the Black Hole movie and Bob and Vincent, and they're uh, slightly bigger than than the you know Star Wars four inch four inch scale. But as a kid, I liked that movie, and there actually was a short action figure line. Uh, yeah. I had the action figure Bob, uh, uh, the character from that film. The film, I recently watched it again, and I found out just how terrible it actually is as a film. But as a kid, I liked it. And, and I was scared of Maximilian with his, with his you know, attachment that looked like a giant blunder on his hand. And, uh, you know, it's cool. You, you can get this stuff. I mean, uh, the retro figures, we have, you know, the original Alien movie. Uh, they made, you know, the Sigourney Weaver and the Alien and the whole cast uh, and, the, and the retro figures that came out. As a kid... I would have bought that. I would have bought a little plastic Sigourney Weaver, you know, and, and, the, and, the, and the cast of the original uh, Nostromo crew. So we just have so many stuff and whether it's Lego or whether it's Funko or whether it's, um, I'm spacing on, you just brought it up, the um, Playmobil. Mm-hmm. We have so many amazing things as fans and geeks of that culture. There's just so many places to go. And Lego has is, is become a big one but it's just one of several as, as you, as you point out. Right. Yeah, I did. I do have the, the Playmobil back to the future stuff. And I was, it's cool once it's together, but I was definitely, I was disappointed because it took me five minutes to put it together. Whereas Lego like <laughs> razor crest will take me a week to put it together because I take my time and I'll, you know, do it a bag at a time. And, and, you know, so I'm not sitting there for two hours pulling what little bit of hair I have left uh, out and- making it. What, what you mentioned is, is very true about the, the sets being customizable. And so one of my friends here in town, uh, Mark, he's a very good builder. He bought the Razor Crest set and he wasn't quite happy with like the engine intakes. So he fixed it. He went and put some other parts and it looks better. And I told him, I was like, you should put, you know, your tweak up on, on the web. People would copy it and, you know, the, it looks just slightly better mm-hmm. or, um, there, there's a magazine that comes out of Britain that's called Blocks. And one of the things that they have done is periodically in, in the issue, they'll do like, you know, tweak your Hoth layout and they'll show how you can change a few things or add a few things or tweak the interior of your Millennium Falcon and they'll show like things that you can do. And so again, that's, that's something you can't do in the action figure universe if you buy, I mean, there's a few there are customizers out there but it's a lot of work right you got to know how to work with the material foam core or the putty or again I I don't do it so I'm I'm probably using the wrong terms but the raw materials and how things dry and and paint them and all that kind of stuff and it's that's a very niche thing within the Lego action figure community are people who do dioramas and customs and things like that and it really requires a fairly sophisticated level of technique and materials to, to, to become a customizer, to build a really cool looking dioramas. Um, it's not, it's a steep learning curve. So if, I, if I hopped into that today, I would probably make a giant mess uh, the first few times I tried to build something. Before I would get something, I would be like, okay, that's cool. I, I wouldn't be embarrassed to show this to my Star Wars collecting friends, you know, whereas with Lego, you know, it's pretty easy. You just snap, start snapping things on. And if you don't like it, you tear it apart and you don't have a big, you know, pile of glue to clean up or, uh, or paint all over your table. You, know, you can scrape it all in a box and sort it later. So it does have that nice flexibility of you can experiment as much as you want to. 
all part and reuse the pieces. <laughs> awesome. You're talking about customization. Have you ever built something from scratch from your own imagination? If so, what would that be? And then I guess we were at, um, my son and I were at the Lego Discovery Center. Was it Midtown? And the, and the Lego, what do they call them? The master builder asked yeah. us if, if we had ever built uh, a set just using the box, not using the, the pages, the, the guide that it comes with. So have you ever customized and have you ever built anything without actually looking at the instructions? I mean, that just seems like a whole new challenge. Absolutely. Um, so interestingly, back when I was a kid, probably you were a kid, if you got a Lego set on the back page, they would actually show you alternative builds just in a shot. Like here's yeah. a picture with these parts, you can make this thing. And there were no instructions. So you just had to puzzle it out. You could kind of like, oh, well, there's a slope here. Maybe there's a brick underneath this. And, and I, I went back and re, you know, created those just by a process of trial and error. A friend of mine here in town, uh, uh, Dana, he's done, he's gone back and collected all of the original classic sets. And now he's going back and, and recreating all of the alternative builds for those sets. And you know, sometimes he's like, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. They could have done it this way or they could have done it that way. But as long as it matches the photo, he's happy. Yeah. As, as a kid, I built spaceships all the time. Uh, so I would tear down my official ships and make my own. And I spent hours doing that. Uh, and I had a lot of fun doing it. And at the time, they weren't really Star Wars ships because it was hard to get those shapes or it was, the pieces didn't lend themselves uh, very easily to the Star Wars shapes, but I would just make my own spaceships all the time and then blow them up or tear them apart and, and so on and so forth. Today, I, I am not a, I am not a uh, Star Wars creative builder. I buy the sets, I put them together. Uh, they're behind me sitting on my uh, shelf and I love building the big sets. Honestly, the, the high-end sets, the expensive sets that Lego build are probably beyond my creative capacity. I mean, these people are really good the master builders at Lego and they're a team. So it's not just one person who comes up with it. It's like, you know, a lead builder. And then they bring it out to two or three other builders who go and tweak. And they're like, well, if we change this, you know, it'll be a little smoother. So uh, keeping up with that level of talent and that level of, um, you know, multiple people bringing their eye to something is very challenging. So I don't personally build uh, star Wars Lego at the UCS level. I have an ambition to take the Lego Cantina set and to build a bigger Moss Eisley layout. And that is one of the things that's sort of on my plate probably for sometime the next year. I do build creatively for uh, the line of, of structures, architecture. So at my house, uh, I buy what are commonly referred to as the modular buildings. And so Lego produces things like uh, a, a fire station, a pet shop, a, you know, a flower store, and you can buy these and I've bought all of them and I make my own. So what I do when I travel around the United States is I take photos of buildings I think are interesting. I have a photo album of about a thousand photographs for reference and for inspiration. And uh, I have built a street uh, of buildings that are from Puerto Rico. So I was in San Juan, Puerto Rico, walking around gorgeous uh, buildings there. I have a street that's of San Francisco Victorians. I have another, uh, I'm in the process of building what I call my Chinatown. So I've got a Chinese restaurant and I'm using some of the other uh, parts that Lego's been making recently for Chinese New Year sets to make a sort of Chinatown street. Um, and I have an English pub 
and I have a um, a pink building. <laughs> so it's hard to build a building at a pink part. So I came up with it's the Bubblegum Factory headquarters, and it's pink and it wow. has bubbles. The front has bubbles all over it, so it's very imaginative. There's not a real building that one's based on, but that's what I do. And and um, I'm going to get ready to go to a show at the end of the month. So the big East Coast show is back on post COVID. So very exciting. And it's called Brick Fair, Virginia. Uh, Brick fairs also happen in Alabama, uh, typically MLK weekend in the South. It's the big Southern show. And then there's another one in New Jersey. And this is really the first uh, convention to get back going. And so I'm super excited. I'm going to pack up my buildings and uh, drive up the eight, nine hours to Virginia and be there for a couple of days. So if any of you listening are in the DC area and you just want to see some cool stuff, uh, come on out. There are people who build Lego uh, mocks. That's what we call them, my own creation. There's an amazing guy who did the entire uh, Death Star trench. So he built the walls of the trench and he built cannons wow. and he, you know, he placed the, the Vader's tie and the X-wing. So you feel like you're seeing a snapshot. I've seen other people who've done the battle on Scarif. So they'll lay out the walkers and they've got the palm trees and the tower. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of times those things are so big that they're what we call collabs, collaborative efforts. So a, a group, maybe three, four, maybe even more people will come together. If you go out and Google Lego Moss Eisley, there was one convention where they did an absolutely mind blowing huge layout where different people brought different buildings and they connected them all together. And so that's also one of the fun things you can do with Star Wars Lego that um, you could you could build dioramas, but are you going to build dioramas and connect them up with five other people? Probably pretty challenging. Maybe somebody's done it. Uh, I don't know. But in Lego, that's kind of common. You know, people will 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 think of ways to connect uh, their builds, maybe with other people's builds. Another recent trend that's been fun is uh, recolorization. And this is something I've done. So uh, behind me on the shelf, I bought the Legos version of the ATST, you know, AKA the chicken walker. And I built the set and it's a nice set. And then I thought, you know what I would really think would look cool was like, let's do a camo version. So mine is in different shades of green. So mine is in an indoor camo version. I rebuilt it. It's basically the same instructions, but I don't, I didn't have all the parts in every color. So I had to use some creativity at times to pull it off. And so I have two chicken walkers behind me. I have the one in gray, which is the official set. And then I have my, my recolored version, which is my indoor camo. And I have an ambition to do an, an ATAT in tans and browns. So like a Tatooine, a Jakku kind of landscape to build one that you could imagine would be deployed in a, you know, a sandy environment, that kind of situation. And I want to rebuild it using those, uh, those shades and colors. And I think that would be, that will be a lot of fun when I get around to that project. So. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, and we'll get back to Star Wars in a second, but I'm just curious about your process. So you go to these buildings and you take photos as part of your inspiration. Do you then kind of draw out you know, different levels and stuff, or do you just start building? And then if you don't like something, you just tear it back down and start back up again. Like what's the process of building something, you know, my own creation, as you said. Right. So for me, I take the picture and the first thing is windows and doors. So how many windows am I, you know, if, if it has a lot of windows, am I going to copy that exactly? If there's 16 windows in the front, am I going to put 16 windows or am I going to condense it? 
And so what I'll do is I'll just get out a base plate. Uh, most of this, for people might not know, the standard base plate is uh, 32 studs by 32 studs. And I'll just get out a base plate and I would say, well, the door would go about here. And then one story up, if I've got three windows side by side, they would be here. And this is what I call tacking. So I just kind of like loosely in placing how I want the front of the structure to look. And then I say, okay, I've figured out, you know, how much space will go between each window, how much space will go between the window, the door and the corner. And now I uh, actually start to build. So once I've, at least in my head, sort of figured out where the windows and doors go, now I start building up in layers. And then I'll build up in layer and I'll incorporate those windows and doors. But really when I first build it, I only build a front side. So I've literally, I've only built the facade and it's very structurally unstable and I will break it, you know, and things will fall off. Uh, but again, I'm just, it's sketching, it's Lego version of sketching. And so I sketch it and I just build the facade and then I'll, I'll set that over to the side and then I'll, I'll build it for real. And now I'll build a backside. And I, I always build very detailed backsides of my buildings, which is kind of stupid in a way, because at a convention, nobody ever sees the backside of your building, except the other people in your section who are walking behind the table. And they'll be like, your backside is as good as your front side. You should flip that around. I was like, yeah, I know. Nobody ever sees that but me. Like, right. But I, I don't really care about interior. So I don't, I don't populate my interiors. I don't really finish off the rooms, but I do do the front and the back of the buildings. So anyway, so once I've tacked, that's my first version. And then the second version, I'm building it up and it's usually uh, at least it holds together. <laughs> and then the third version, I've been looking at it for, I'll, I'll let it set for a couple of weeks and I'll come back and look at it and I'll go, I should have done this. I need to move this down one plate. I need to move this up one plate. I need to swap this color. And uh, so I typically will rebuild it a third time. And now it's structurally, you know, integrated. And it won't fall apart. And it, and it, it meets my, uh, my satisfaction. And so I build every building three times, which oh, wow. is kind of, kind of depressing when you think about it, but that's just my process. Right. And I've tried to shorten the process, but it seems like it happens this way every time. <laughs> now, and I do have a, when you said you bring it's your stuff to shows. It's the process. It'll yeah, that, go ahead, Jason, say that again. No, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Um, when you bring your stuff to shows, you, do you, you do the, the ultimate sin and glue your stuff together so you could travel easier with it? Or do is it, you know, you just pack it well and hope it doesn't break. The dreaded super glue. Yeah. When I, when I worked at the store, I would occasionally have parents ask me like, well, what kind of glue do you use on Lego? And I would always reply, that's against my religion. Uh, to me, I never glue anything. Um, there are things that will fall off. And one of the things, if, if you show at a convention, there's actually two or even three days before the public comes in where you set up. And those are honestly the most fun days of the convention for showers because you're hanging out with other Lego geek nerds and you're fixing the things that fell off when you drove and people are walking by being like, how'd you do that? And so it is such a, it is such a like love fest. Everybody's walking by handing out compliments and you're tweaking and you're putting your minifigs out or you're fixing the tree that fell apart and you drove up. There is damage that happens. That's the downside of shows. You know, I get home and I'm just like, oh, I have to rebuild the awning fell off or, you know, like I just didn't build it strong enough. And it's 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 very weak. So there is that time frame where you t you restore the damage, mm -hmm. the transportation damage. Uh, but you're also in the middle of kibitzing and chatting. And, and at these conventions, there's all kinds of like 
games and stuff for adults and children uh, on those pre-show days. So it's really a lot of fun. And, and to me as a, as a Lego exhibitor, the public days are the least fun because the first morning is awesome because people come by your table and they're giving you compliments and asking you. But after about noon, you've been asked the same five questions so <laughs> many times. Like, how long did it take you to build that? I have no idea. How many parts are in it? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> can I buy that? No. <laughs> Do you have instructions? No. <laughs> like, it's the same questions. And I understand, you know, lots of people, they don't build, so they don't know that the answers that we would typically have to those questions. So that's, that's what's on their mind when they see it. But, um, you know, but you're kind of like, oh my gosh, that question again. (laughs) (laughs) The question was, do you build creatively in space? And as a kid, I did. Today, I don't really build creatively in space, but there is a really big Lego space, space community. And I am regularly on a show on Thursday nights with two guys who are big space builders and, and our YouTube show is called Old Gray Bricks uh, because we're all in our 40s and 50s <laughs> and old gray was a color in Lego. So it's kind of a nod to our collective age and of like inside joke about Lego changing the color of gray about 15 years ago. So of the four of us who are regular panelists, uh, all four of us grew up with uh, Lego space, but two of them are very sophisticated space builders. And so if you have an interest in that, there is always big layouts at conventions of people building original space, people building Lego, Lego, uh, I'm sorry, Star Wars themed space things. The two guys that I chat with uh, every Thursday are Chris and Mark, and they actually have been, uh, you know, building since the early 2000s. And if you, uh, you, you can find their spaceships on the internet, like they're they're known for their awesome stuff. And they actually created uh, one of the first fan design sets that Lego mass produced where they built a good spaceship and an evil spaceship. And you're, you know, you're supposed to buy the pair together. And so they were one of the Lego today mass produces about four to six fan design sets a year. And um, they were one of the first people to do that. And so they're, they're good. And one of the things Chris always kids me that, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a space apostate because I've gone off and built buildings and I'm not building spaceships like he and Mark does. And I said, but it's the, the state of the art in Lego space is very sophisticated and coming in, uh, in some ways buildings are just easier. You know, it's, it's a square most of the time and it's two dimensional a lot and you don't have to think as much about volume and depth and things like that. And I was like, some of the stuff that people are already doing is just, so advanced like I don't even know how it would catch up to the state of the art one of the one of the guys that I've gotten to meet through them uh created the deep space nine the the major spaceship where the ships come up and dock he made a lego version of that that's like six feet from one side to the other I mean it's enormous and it looks really good you know how do you you know if, if that's the like the goal, that's Mount Everest, you know, that's the top is to getting to something like that's a steep climb, you know, and for me, I just look at buildings and I think I'm, I just find it pretty easy to build buildings and I like to tweak with color and things like that. There's some just some really clever stuff out there. There are people who use the rounded parts or the curved parts to make spaceships that you can't even imagine that these were made out of, you know, the blocks, you know, like, how do they do that? And they go out and they look for those kind of rare 
single use parts that give it like a whip effect or a rounded effect. And uh, so if, if anybody's listening and they, they want to build creatively and they want to build in the space genre, just, you know, go on Pinterest or, you know, just Google like Lego space or Lego pre-classic space. And uh, there's, there's just so much talent out there. I mean, it's, it's in some ways intimidating. I always tell Chris, uh, I don't know if I can catch up to y'all. <laughs> You're really doing great work. So bringing it back to Star Wars, you know, what's your favorite Star Wars set and, and why? Is it because of the playability? Is it because of the imagination? And What grew, drew me back into Lego was the huge Star Wars ships. And so they started putting these out in 1990. I'm sorry. They got the license for Star Wars in 1999. But the big ships start coming out about 2003, 2004, 2005. And roughly Lego has released a large scale ship about one or two per year since then. And so if you walk into a store today, uh, you can buy the A-Wing, a large scale A-Wing, uh, the snow speeder might still be in stores. And so, and recently the fans voted to have them build a large scale Republic gunship, which will probably be uh, in the May, May the 4th be with you 2022. We don't have an announcement, but that's my, that's my guess. Uh, so they've, they've done a series of these. And so when I joked about you're making me pick from my children, uh, people can't see this on a podcast, but behind me on the shelf, I have almost all of the UCS sets. And that's been one of my goals as a Lego person is to co collect or rebuild them and so on and so forth. So like with the Vader's TIE fighter, I just went out and collected the 2000 parts and then downloaded the instructions that I built the thing because it was too expensive to buy used. So that's another thing you can do. You can just find the parts sometimes. Yeah. So of, of the big ships that they've made, I'm going to at least narrow it down to two. <laughs> the B-Wing, I love. And I, 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 it's kind of the, you know, uh, the stepchild, unloved stepchild of Lego ships in some ways. Like, you know, there's people who love their X-Wings and the TIE Fighters. I was always fascinated by the B-Wing as a kid because it's kind of asymmetrical and it, has these wings and it has the rounded cockpit. I always thought it looked crazy interesting. And I wish there had been like more storyline that drew in B wings. In fact, we still don't have B wings and all the, you know, cartoon, the clone wars, like where are our B wings, you know, anyways. So I love the B wing. Uh, I think it looks great. Um, and it's one of my personal favorites. Go ahead, Glenn. Did you want to? Make oh, no, no. Cute. I was just going to say you you obviously haven't watched Rebels. So uh, here we go. I knew it was coming. I knew you said that. The B-Wing and Rebels. Open up the door for Glenn. To... <laughs> <laughs> I have. But you're right. There is a B-Wing storyline. Oh, my gosh. And I just watched Rebels like two years ago. Like, I can't believe I forgot that. Now I feel. Can you edit that out? Because I'm going to be horribly embarrassed. <laughs> but you're right. And the other thing that was in Rebels that I want to do uh, is... They had the TIE fighter with the yellow yeah. wings. Oh. It was the like the fueling facility TIE fighter with like the yellow tinted wings. And uh, Dane and I, who's another Atlanta builder, and he's also a member of the 501st here in Atlanta. He he and I both keep talking about how we want to make the the yellow uh, the yellow tie, and it has like it has like a notch in the panel. So for folks who haven't seen Rebels. It is a TIE fighter, but it has a very distinctive look and it has its own color yellow that really stands out. And I've looked at the, the, the huge TIE fighter that Lego has produced and tried to think about, well, could I re-engineer that into that uh, mining facility 
yellow tie fighter and it, it would be a little complicated but you know it's one of those things on the back of my mind is as maybe next year or the year after or maybe lego will just make it make it uh but uh, so far they haven't so that's something that might happen and then the other one that i just absolutely so the b-wing's always been one of my obscure favorite ships as a as a star wars fan and then the the slave one which i i know that's possibly a topic or the yeah. vehicle previously known as slave one <laughs> it's it's a beautiful build uh it was a tremendously fun to put it together and it looks fantastic and lego produced uh new parts in dark green and what they call dark red or what i call burgundy so the look of it is fantastic it has good play features if you pick it up you know the the arm things will swivel with gravity you can put han solo in the uh, the the storage compartment uh you can you know fly it upright it's got what they call you know swoosh factor you can fly around with your hand and you know make noises and it even has the little the little uh i'm totally spacing on the name but the bombs that uh sonic sonic charges sonic charges thank you uh that you can drop out of the ship so those are my two favorite children uh (laughs) the b-wing and and, uh and boba fett ship and in our on our podcast, we were talking about the controversy about Lego yeah. not wanting to use that term. And I said, why couldn't they have come up with something really clever like uh, the Carbonite Han Solo conveyance vehicle? That would be catchy. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go into that, because, I mean, that is something I wanted to bring up and it naturally came up. So let's let's devolve, you know, go into that. I mean, um, to me, <laughs> I'm just going to, on a personal level, because I have a personalized license plate, and I got it four or five years ago, maybe even longer than that, but I wanted to do Slave 1 as a personalized license plate, and the lady at the DMV and my wife looked at me at the same time and go, you're not doing that in Georgia. No. (laughs) So, uh, you know, and there's been the controversy with the the Slave Leia, and to, you know, and and is is it like, is it just a Lego thing, or is it going further than Lego? Uh, because I mean, to me, it's like you already did the slave Leia 10 years ago. You're not going to do that anymore. Is it because it's a slave Leia or is it because she's in the metal bikini and you don't want little kids, you know, seeing Leia in a slave, in a bikini, or is it the slave thing? Um, you know, and I understand why they did it. I'm actually kind of surprised that it took this long for, for them to change the name. And then, you know, it also, somebody also pointed out that Lego changes names all the time when it comes to to ships that they'll just simplify it instead of like general grievous's ship instead of calling it the name it's just general grievous's ship uh i mean it's no surprise that they did it but is it something that just lego's gonna do or is now disney gonna do it on everything so let's let's talk well they are re-releasing the hasbro vintage collection uh slave one they're re-releasing it and they're not changing it it's still the slave one okay I would say Lego uh, thinks a lot about the fact that they're primarily a kid's toy company, although they've, they've really tried to reach out to adult collectors and builders recently. And, you know, one of the things that I'll never forget, I was working at the store and uh, somebody came in and they're like, when's Lego going to get the license for Hunger Games? And I was like, you know, that movie where kids kill other kids? And they kind of <laughs> looked at me and I was like, it's not going to happen. I yeah. got bad news for it, you know, or, or uh, there was a... Uh, in, in the superheroes, um, um, the guy with the swords, I'm just spacing on the name. Deadpool? Uh, 
Deadpool. There was a Deadpool figure that came out very early in another set. And now that the movies are out, they're like, when's there going to be a Deadpool set? And I was like, unlikely, you know, because it's more of a PG-13, you know, 18 audience for those movies. And and so, you know, that is a thing that Lego does. Historically, they don't make modern guns. Uh, when Lego made space guns for Star Wars, that was a bit of a kerfuffle uh, at Lego was what they you know, you kind of have to have space guns to make Star Wars sets. And they had traditionally not made any modern guns. Uh, there were some guns with the uh, Cowboys and Indians. There were muskets and stuff like right. that. But um, it, it is something they think about in terms of what's appropriate for kids and and um, not making everything that adult collectors might want. And so I'm not shocked that this this is something that they thought about. I will say, you know, I'm half century old. So to me, Slave One is like a thing from a toy thing that I loved as a kid. And every time I hear Slave One, I just think of Boba Fett. I'm not thinking about the word slave or what that might mean to other people. And so I totally get people who are like, you're messing with my beloved, you know, childhood franchise by, you know, renaming something. How dare you? But I also understand that other people hear words differently than I hear them. And mm -hmm. You know, to me, I, I, it doesn't even cross my mind that that might bring up a connection to planet Earth slavery, you know, which right. is, you know, a terrible thing. And yep. um, I'm, I teach and I go to visit, you know, historical sites and slavery's and uh, in, in an important part of American history, you know. But so, how do we think about these words? And I, I appreciate that Lego is trying to be thoughtful. Uh, about this kind of thing and and you are right that lego has on more than one occasion simply released a set where they refer to the vehicle by the person who drives the vehicle and so this is actually not anything new or totally surprising you know i mean they've made like poe dameron's you know ship or you know something like that they'll just sometimes you know name them like that so it is an interesting question. Is, is this just a Lego corporation thing or is it going to carry over into Hasbro products and Disney? Yeah. I don't know. Time will tell. Yeah. Cool. What's the, uh, what's the biggest set you've made? I may have missed that, but you know, I know they did the, the, the star destroyer and I've seen that and that's a huge, yeah. you know, and the death star, so the, you know, the $800 millennium Falcon. And what's so the I biggest one you've made? I have the Falcon. It is the biggest set uh, today. So it is the, the largest one. Uh, the Cantina is actually very large. Uh, the Cantina play set is pretty giant. Um, the original Star Destroyer, and they've just re-released the Star, the Star Destroyer. You can walk into a Lego store and buy the second version of it. It's, it's a little bit different. The original version is very large, and I think it was at the time the second or the third largest set. For the longest time, the largest set was the Taj Mahal. And when they brought back the, when they brought out the huge Millennium Falcon, then that finally knocked the Taj Mahal off of the, the largest set. And they also just recently brought out a Roman Colosseum, which has also got a, just an enormous number of parts. And this points to a trend, which is enormous count sets that are really aimed at 18 plus audiences. And so they're realizing that there are people like the people listening to this podcast who spend money and sometimes spend a lot of money on things that are associated with their favorite franchise as you know growing up and they're willing to go out and spend eight hundred dollars on a <laughs> you know that 
it's too heavy to swoosh. Honestly, you build it. <laughs> it's like a two hander, you know, like you got to like pick it up and it's built to set on legs, but the legs can also come out. And so there's a fan who designed a cradle so that you can set the Millennium Falco at a 45 degree angle. So it looks like it's doing a bank curve and it looks fantastic. And, and the guy's name is Efferman and he just put the instructions out for free. So if you buy that $800 Falcon and you want to display it with a cool like swoosh side turn, go out there and look up the parts, go collect those parts. You can build yourself an Efferman stand and it just sits in that cradle and it looks great. So at my house, when I moved in, uh, I have a room where it's got uh, the, the roof line is kind of like an A shape. And so there's like this niche up high and there was already a shelf there from the pre previous residents. And I was like, it's going to go right there. I haven't even built a thing, but when I build the William Falcon, it is going up there. <laughs> so it's now put together. It was actually one of the COVID things. So, you know, over, over COVID in my work, I, I, I worked at home entirely and so did my spouse. So we were home all the time. And I knocked out some mega projects. And so uh, I built the Millennium Falcon and you know, a bunch of other things. And I'm also kind of famous for dropping my ships. So I have to rebuild them. <laughs> I dropped my blockade runner. So I had to rebuild that. Ouch. Yep. The oh. other the other thing that's big that I built over COVID that I had to piece together was from uh, the Clone Wars, the ATOT dropship. So if you remember, uh, you know, if you watch uh, episode two, and during that battle Geonosis, there's this thing that flies down and it touches the ground and then it lifts off and it leaves behind like a walker with it, like a troop transport walker. Well, Lego made a version of this right before I started working at the store and got the, uh, the, the employee discount. So I didn't buy it. And very quickly, the price shot up to the point where I was unwilling to buy uh, a copy of it. <laughs> so I got the part inventory and over three years, I, you know, collected parts throw them in a box and finally i got down to like the last 50 60 parts and i go on uh there's a site called bricklink where you can buy stuff and i ordered the last like 50 parts that i needed so i put that together over COVID as well but i will say it's one of the more fragile designs um you don't want to look at it wrong <laughs> <laughs> breathe the, on it <laughs> the same is true of the original star destroyer uh if you look at it wrong it the bottom is held there's magnets to hold it together. And when they redesigned it, they got rid of the magnets because magnets, you know, if you bump it, the magnets release and then the whole panels fall off the side. And, and oh it's my. Like wow. So when I moved into this house, uh, I moved about 30 minutes away. The moving company people, because I'd always moved myself. So I hired somebody and they come in and I, I'm giving them a walk through the house and I show them the Lego room. And he's like, his face just drops and he goes, are you going to move all those ships? <laughs> Cause I could just see him going like things are going to break and I'm going to get blamed for it. And I was like, I will move all the ships. Everything that's in this room will be boxed up. So I made a couple of trips and I, I carried that star destroyer, you know, down the hill and I put like clothes around it in the trunk and it was there. And I, I drove the 30 minutes over and it was still intact. And so like I lifted it up and I carried it upstairs and I put it on the shelf and I was like, <sighs> nothing fell off. Nothing major fell off. And then I opened the closet door and knocked it off. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh. So I almost like, I was just like, 
it was destined to happen apparently like you know it didn't happen in the car it happened when i because it's fat at one end you know that's the only thing about displaying the star destroyer is it's a wedge and so i had put it in you know and the one the butt of it sticks out (laughs) so i opened the door i hit the butt end of it it just fell apart (laughs) and so i i actually washed all the pieces i put them through the uh, you you can put them in a garment bag and and, and put them in a, a gentle cycle in your washing machine and because they get dusty. That's the one thing about displaying Legos. You know, it picks up dust, and that's like the newbie question. People hop on forums and like, how do I dust my Lego? We like, well, do you want the bad news or the bad news? You know? <laughs> but it's it's a pain in the butt. The most the most effective thing is to take it apart and wash it, but it's a it's a pain in the butt because you got to do it. So it got rebuilt. Uh, it's back together. Uh, but I don't ever want it's still upstairs in my other room, so I don't want to move it because I'm just terrified it'll fall apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so some sets, Lego's gotten a lot better about structural integrity, but in the early days, some of the larger sets did have some structural issues. And so the recent ones, like uh, the Slave One, the Tie, the X-Wing, these things are solid. I mean, you can pick them up and swoosh them around and have some fun, and you're you're going to be fine. Um, the the, the other the other one that I really really like is the the Imperial shuttle which has cranks so you can lower the wings so it can be in the sort of Delta shape or you can crank and turn the wings up for the landing and I've seen some amazing mocks where people have placed the Imperial shuttle and built you know the, the hangar bay and have like the you know palpatine and stormtroopers all queued up in rows reviewing the troops and that's a that's a great mock that lots of people have done they've taken the original ship and then added the environment to give you that entire look or that entire feel awesome awesome i love the creativity with legos i mean yeah. just it blows my, i wish i was that creative you know to, to be able to because to do that because even as a kid I, I always stuck to the uh the instructions when i was building stuff because i never could figure it out um but yeah i so love I legos question- man I have a question for you, for you two. So um, I can see you right now in video and, you know, Jason's got Star Wars stuff behind him and Glenn's got Star Wars stuff behind him. Do you folks, uh, are you big vehicle fans? I mean, obviously there are people who collect the carded figures, loose figures, vehicles. There's so many facets of Lego, of Star Wars fandom. Um, How much are you too invested in vehicles? Is that a big thing? Um, with me, I've only got one shelf of vehicles. I think I collected the the run of the vintage vehicles and then stopped. Uh, I mean, as far as, you know, Slave 1, I just bought the the latest version of that. And then I have the Lego version. Uh, you know, I've got the Razor Crest. But I mean, I'm not, when it's something cool, I buy it. But it's not like the figures where, you know, it displays little. Yeah. Um, I guess that's the right answer. It, it, I guess I'm about 10% invested in vehicles. If, you know, if it's cool, I'll buy it. But yeah, I'm, hunting out. I'm kind of the same way where I like the action figures and Hasbro's gotten smart and they realize if you pack in an action figure with a vehicle, people are more inclined to buy it, which is why it's going to be tough to get to, to pass by that Rogue One X-Wing that's coming out with uh, uh, Merrick. What's his name? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So I have the sail barge. I'm going to get the uh, the new Mandalorian. Uh, um, I was going to say Slave One, but the Razor Crest. 
So for me as a kid, the vehicles were a huge part of Star Wars. Like I just love the spaceships and my uh, spaceships and droids. And to this day, you know, I think I've tried to collect every single astromech droid that they've made. And, you know, one of these days I'm going to unpack them all and spread them out on my shelves. But, you know, I'm one of those people went down to Disney uh, when they started the build a droid. And I started making the droids in every color that they had yeah. the parts for. Yeah. And I go up to the counter and I've, you know, I've got like 10, 20, I think I made 20. Like it was not a cheap day at Disney. Right. So I, <laughs> it's the never lady's a like, cheap day at Disney. No, the lady's <laughs> like, sir, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm only allowed to let you buy like five at a time, you know? And I understand like, they're probably trying to prevent scalping or something. Um, and I, I said, well, if I come up and buy five and then I walk back over and I come back, can I buy another five? She's like, yes. <laughs> so, like, That's ridiculous. I was like, I've made one of every color and I, I can't like leave 10 of them behind. You know, my OCD, my OCD is firing on all cylinders at this point. I'm like, must have every color, you know? So yeah. she let me bring home my, my 10 Astromex uh, that were had the correct dome with the correct legs, with the correct torso. <laughs> Do they have and the Mickey that, ears? I got a couple of the hats, uh, yeah. but but they they struck me. I'm a little bit of a purist, and I was kind of like, what's with the ears and the hats? Like, astromechs that were hats, you know? I was like, <laughs> they, they come with, so I went ahead and got some of them, but yeah. I was, I don't, <laughs> I wasn't planning to display them with the Mickey ears on them. <laughs> kind of tacky, yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing I, so the one of the things that is interesting when, when I think about Star Wars collecting action figure versus Lego is that there are some differences. So there are vehicles available in Lego that Hasbro's never made or, or Kenner never made. So you've got some stuff from cartoons and from games. Uh, so you've got like the Sith infiltrator. And that's one of the cool things. If you are a vehicle person, um, you can get vehicles that will probably never be made into action figure scale. Ghost. The, <coughs> yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. And you've got, like I mentioned, the ATOT dropship. That's something that's in the film. I'm sitting there going, "Oh, that is badass! I want yeah. one of those." <laughs> well, you yep. can get it in Lego World. Can't get it in Action Figure World. And then there's the figures, right? So most of us who have, you know, I'm assuming every person listening to this podcast has at least a couple action figure scale things. And there are people who try to collect every Lego minifigure. And I clicked on Bricklink because Bricklink numbers them. So that, you know, that Bricklink is the form where you can buy and sell used or new parts. And they have numbered each figure and they, uh, they're up to 1,147 Star Wars minifigures. And so I'm pretty sure there's more action figures by probably even double that. But there's a lot of minifigs out there. And as, as Jason just mentioned, some of the minifigs you only get in the big set. And Lego released a couple of their large spaceships without minifigures because they're not at that scale. So the minifigure, you know, if you put it in the cockpit, it would look tiny. But then I think someone in marketing said, you know, we're missing an opportunity here. Because <laughs> yeah. there are people who only care about the figures and they will go crazy. They might even buy the whole set just to get that unique sculpted minifig that comes with the, the X-Wing or, you know, whatever it is. And then they might sell the rest of the bricks off, which is exactly what happens. There are yeah. people. And so those, if you look at those very large sets, uh, like the Cantina set just came out with a couple of new Cantina aliens. 
and they only come in that set, which is, you know, I don't know, $300 set. Uh, and the resale market on that is, is hopping, you know, I mean, some of those figures are like 40, 50 bucks for, a, wow. for a mini figure, right? I mean, we think about action figures are about four inches tall. Your mini figure is about an inch and a half tall. And someone's out there, you know, going to pay 40, 50 bucks for uh, a mini figure. So just as a lot of us collect loose or carded action figures, there's a whole nother realm of people who are driven to collect them all. And they have to collect all like 1,147 mini figures. Well, they say that uh, Lego is a better investment than gold at times. I mean, it just increases in value faster. So I don't know anything about gold, but the I don't thing that, that's just the what thing, they say. The thing that I say <laughs> about those articles is, you know, I'm old enough that I lived through uh, a crash in stamp collecting and baseball cards and uh, comic books. Yep. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. Funko Pop someday. I don't know. <laughs> but but if you're buying Legos an investment, you should know the product and. I have a BrickLink store. I have a pretty good sense of what's going to sell and what's not going to sell. We occasionally would have people come into the Lego store and they would ask me, so what should I buy as an investment? And my advice is if you don't love and know the product, you should probably not be sinking your money into it. <laughs> I, yeah. I would advise that person, just go buy like uh, a, a stock market, you know, average fund. So whatever the market does, you get, you're probably safer than investing your money in Lego. But if you love Lego and you know what fans might want to buy, I mean, I buy and hold stuff. So I bought a couple of uh, the Slave One sets. I bought two of them and I store them in my basement and I'm going to sell them someday for double what I paid for them. So if you're patient and you have the space to store stuff, um, you can make good money. I mean, last year in COVID, I sold a tremendous amount of Lego sets that I had in my basement. And I actually sold more stuff than I bought. I actually made money for the first time in my life <laughs> wow. on Lego. Wow. Uh, and that probably isn't going to happen every year because people were stuck indoors for COVID. The, the market for Lego sets really shot up last year. There was a big spike in demand. People were looking to build something as they stayed home. And, uh, you know, so there's a bit of an artificial bump, but there's definitely some value. Uh, the other thing that happens though is you're, always susceptible to lego re-releasing a set so we had that super the star destroyer set that was going it was probably up to about a thousand dollars for the first version and then lego announces they're going to re-release it so that you know the price drops dramatically mm -hmm. the original millennium falcon if you had it mint in box the first version of the large one it was up to like seven eight nine thousand dollars and then they're going to re-release it and they're going to re-release it for eight hundred dollars which if you were one of the people who missed it and you're looking at the secondary market as $7,000 and Lego says, well, we're only, we're going to sell it to you for only $800. It starts to look like a bargain at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. I've noticed that you speaking of re-release and stuff, cause they're getting to re-release the, the Mandalorian Starfighter, And I was looking at it and it, cause I, it's going to only going to be like 60 bucks and the original one's 400 right now. Cause I'm looking to maybe pre-order it and yeah, that right there just blows my mind. It's a four hundred dollar piece that now they're going to sell it for sixty. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. So if you are thinking about Legos investment, um, you should really know the market, and you should know that you might have to get out quick <laughs> if something <laughs> gets re released. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I hope they do that with the ghost one day. <laughs> you know, they might. Uh, yeah. If they have, I would say 
there's been a clear shift in the last two to three years at headquarters have really come to recognize that the adult fan market is big and they will spend a lot of money on things that they want. And recently they, they, uh, they have a line that they refer to as creator and it's typically been aimed at adults, but they're really pumping up creator and they're really trying to market to adults in a way that I think they just haven't in the past. And so we're going to get that Republic gunship probably next year. And they had a fan vote on that. And I believe the ghost was one of the things that, you know, people were, were wanting and Lego's not dumb. I mean, if they look at that and they go, well, you know, the top, the top finisher will make that, but let's see what also finished second and third, because there's a market for that, you know? So just like um, in the past when we've seen Hasbro do their fans choice and, you know, we get a winner of the fans choice, but we often will see that they, they, they go like, oh, you know, we're going to do number three and we're going to do number five in the fan voting. And so oftentimes we get some of those that don't win the ballot, but they, the company looks at that and says, okay, there's, there's a niche, there's a market for that thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I also talking to you just now that I realized how easy it is to buy bricks, you know, you can find the, the stuff online. It's fairly easy to do. I'm like, do I want to go ahead and just buy the loose pieces and build a ghost without the minifigs or, or, or whatever? Um, but yeah, it's, it's got me thinking, but I want the minifigs. And I know so, Zeb is like a $70 minifig. So Glenn, I, I'm going to tell you what I think you're going to want to do. Yeah. There is a fan designed version of the ghost that's even bigger and you can buy the instructions and there's a list of parts. And here in Atlanta, uh, Dana, who's a regular on our old gray brick show, he's done it. He's built it. Uh, if you want to uh, message him, he can probably even give you some feedback or even get you the parts list. But it, it's big. So if you want mm -hmm. the large one, that go out there and, and search for that fan design ghost because it's okay. it's it's significantly bigger than the than the uh, the Lego version of one. But, you know, that might be one of our future UCS sets. And so typically Lego rolls out a big expensive set for May the 4th, and they typically roll one out in September for Christmas uh, buying mm -hmm. season. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see every year, you know, we, I get kind of excited when we start to get close enough to the announcement and Lego tries to hold this stuff quiet as long as possible because they face a big issue with Chinese clone companies that copy their designs and so on and so forth. So they've gotten a lot more tight lipped about what they're going to release. And they try to wait until the last possible second before they release pictures. So there's always a big guessing game on fan forums. We're like, what's going to be the next, you know, May the 4th set, blah, 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 blah. And so we don't know. Uh, I don't know mm -hmm. what they're going to make in for Christmas of 2022, but they're going to make something big and expensive that I'll probably want to buy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it's funny because my wife will be, she's pushing, I guess she understands now that that's sort of where my, it's not my focus, but it's kind of, I'm dipping my toe into it. So like when the Razor Crest Amazon for Prime Day or whatever did, you know, they did a sale for it. And she's like, you want this? And it's a hundred dollar Lego set. How am I going to turn that down? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, she, I think, yeah. And, and now listening to you and, and knowing that they make the more adult sets, I'm thinking I'd rather have that as a ghost than the, you know, the more, I guess, designed for kids, even though it, it is, it's the only way you get the, that ship, like you were saying earlier, unless you go with the Galactic Heroes Ghost, which I have, but, you know, if I really want an adult more, you know, or a more playful ghost, I, I want the Lego set, but 
yeah, I've talked about it in the past on this podcast and it just, it's aggravating how much that thing's shot up. And, and as collectors, you know, we all face this choice of what, what's our target. You can't have everything, you know, I mean, as I joke that I've tried to collect every action figure that's ever been sculpted by Hasbro Kenner, because as a kid, the commercial said, collect them all. And I follow instructions <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of my personal mental goal. I've never gone down to the basement and counted up how many sculpts that I have. But at one point I was taking the rebel scum uh, checklist and copying, pasting it into Excel and making my own list of what I consider to be like a unique figure. So if the Imperial officer had blonde hair, or black hair, those were two separate figures on my list, you know, and there's different ways of defining this, or if it was, uh, a character that got a new head sculpt for me that was a unique figure because the head was different and i was trying i got up to like a thousand five hundred figures and i was like oh wow oh man and i have most of them you know i mean this mm -hmm. is the thing like i have most of these figures on the list because i've i've been collecting most of my life i mean there's some dark periods where i just didn't have the money but um but you kind of have to decide like do i want to get all the Lego minifigs? Do I want to get all the Hasbro action figures that have ever been made? Or am I going to pick pick and choose? Am I only going to do the original trilogy? And you know, this is this is a reoccurring debate among collectors of where to draw the line. And thankfully, when I got into Lego, I decided on day one, I was not going to be a completist. I'm going to buy the things that I think look super cool. And, and you know, I can pass on stuff. And I'm, I'm not trying to get every Star Wars minifigure uh, because I would probably go crazy and be poor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I tried to do that. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I just checked the time and we're like at an hour and a half. We're like oh, wow. triple what we, you know, double what we thought we'd do. But then, Matt, I want to tell you, man, this has been awesome. We're definitely going to have to have you on again uh, sure. in the future. Yeah. You were a heck of a guest, man. And had a, just a wealth of knowledge and we can dive more into Legos because I love Legos, man. It just, it, you know, there again, it, it's, it's, you know, Disney, it's Star Wars, and now it's Legos that's bringing me back to my childhood, that, you know, that simpler time where you're just, you know, you're having a bad day at work, you can pop a beer, break open a Lego set, and just focus Go. for an hour to build it. Um, but yeah, man, thank, thanks for joining us. And pitch, no pitch your uh, YouTube show one more time. So our show is Thursdays at uh, seven o'clock and it's called Old Gray Bricks. And there are four of us in the Atlanta area who have known each other for a while and we're all in our 40s and 50s. And so we talk about all things Lego. Sometimes it's space, sometimes it's Star Wars. We have a different topic every week. And if you really want more of us, we also sometimes do a Monday. We call Messy Monday, which is like free form. There's no topic. Uh, we'll just talk about what we're building and, and over the summer, that's been coming on at eight o'clock. But uh, if you go to YouTube and you look up old gray bricks and subscribe, you can uh, see when we've got new content. Uh, we will not have content Monday. Well, actually, we, we might have a messy Monday. Uh, the Canadian contingent might run the show because uh, it's a holiday. Their, their July 1st is their big holiday. So July 4th is ours. But yep. Thanks for uh, letting me plug the show. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on. This is awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, I just real quick housekeeping because we were going to record another segment. Uh, we're going to move this podcast to Tuesdays. So instead of releasing it on Saturdays, we're going to start releasing it Tuesday mornings. Yeah. Um, so this one is released on Tuesday morning. So from here on out, Tuesday mornings, we're releasing the podcast. You guys can uh, please leave us a, a review on uh, iTunes. You can uh, message us on smugglersgalaxy at gmail.com. Uh, you know, like us, tell a friend about us. 
thanks for listening. This thing's blowing up way more than me and Jason ever thought it would. And uh, it's because of you guys. So, so thanks. And uh, thanks for joining us again, Matt. It was a great conversation. And uh, we'll see you guys next week on the Smuggler's Galaxy. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.